0: prayer this morning that our eyes will be turned towards Jesus good look in his wonderful face turn if you would this morning if you have a copy of the Word of God to mark chapter 15 As we get closer towards the end of this wonderful book I hope it's been a blessing and encouragement to you as you've studied it hopefully for yourself and read it maybe in your own personal devotions if you hope maybe some several of you about 40 of you signed up to read the Bible through uh, that board is in our fellowship hall. If you have not had a chance to mark the books of the Bible that you've read, let me encourage you to do so. But it's good to every day, by the grace of God, spend time with God. Time with God is time well spent. Time with God is time well spent. And I'm so thankful we can gather together as a church and look to the Word of God. Mark chapter 15 in verse 1 this morning. Mark chapter 15 verse 1. Mark chapter 15, verse 1. And straightway in the morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and brought the whole council and bound Jesus and carried him away and delivered him to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answering he said unto them, Thou sayest. The chief priests accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. And Pilate asked him again, saying, Answerest thou nothing? Behold, how many things they witnessed against thee. But Jesus, yet answering nothing, so that Pilate marveled. And at the feast they released unto them one prisoner whomsoever they desired. There was one named Barabbas, which lay bound with them. that had made insurrection with him, who committed murder and insurrection. And the multitude, crying aloud, began to desire him to do as he had ever done unto them. Verse nine but pilate answered them saying will ye that i release unto you the king of the jews and he knew that the chief priests had delivered him for envy but the chief priests moved the people that he should rather release barabbas unto them But pilate answered and said of them unto and said unto, again unto them what will ye have what will you then have i shall do unto him whom ye call the king of the jews and they cried out again crucify him and pilate said unto them why what evil hath he done and they cried out the more exceedingly crucify him and so Pilate willing to content the people released Barabbas unto them and deliver Jesus and he had scourged him to be crucified father we bow before you once again this morning and we in awe of your word and we read these Jesus, these words how Jesus suffered so much so we could be saved i pray lord today as we read these words again you'd help us to be thankful for our salvation that we have in christ jesus and i pray for those maybe in this room who do not have that salvation that father you would draw that person that man that woman that child teenager to yourself before it's too late for in salvation there's everything without salvation really there's nothing what does it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? So, Lord, I pray that everyone in this room is saved. And I pray that everyone who is saved is, is striving by the grace of God to live for you who died for us. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 18 year old Rhonda Morrison, a dry cleaning clerk, was murdered at Jackson Cleaners on November the 1st, 1986. In Monroeville Alabama. Mr. McMillan who had no prior felonies or convictions was a suspect for that crime and was arrested by the newly elected Sheriff Tom Tate in June 1987. On December 11th 1987 Walter McMillan as well as Ra- Ralph Myers who was a career criminal were jointly indicted for the murder of Rhonda Morrison. And was convic- it was and was recommended by the jury to have a life sentence on September the 19th 1988 judge Robert E Lee Key jr overruled the jury's recommendation of a life sentence and imposed the death penalty on Walter McMillan it's a true story of a murder case that happened nearly 25 years ago nearly 2,000 years ago there was a trial as well the trial of Jesus Christ as we remember from what we've talked about in the past Judas Iscariot betrayed Jesus Christ for 30 pieces of silver he was arrested in the garden of Gethsemane early in the morning early in the morning that Friday morning he was arrested taken to the house of Anias and Caiaphas questioned by Anias first the former high priest and then Caiaphas his son-in-law a little bit later but they had a they had a problem. The problem was number one they they were supposed to have people to be able to actually tell the truth about Jesus Christ, the crimes that he committed, but they couldn't find him. so they had to they false they brought in people to falsely accuse him. secondly, They were not supposed to have a trial at night, but they actually had the trial at night. And thirdly, if they were going to sentence him, they were supposed to give 24 hours before they actually executed the sentence. You see, they wanted to get rid of Jesus. They hated Jesus. Several reasons, because they were afraid that Jesus would bring forth a revolution, And would cause or impose more rules from Rome if he caused a revolution in Jerusalem throughout the land. Secondly, they hated his doctrine. They hated his teaching because it was the opposite of their teaching. Jesus taught a salvation by faith in him alone. The Pharisees and Sadducees taught a doctrine of teaching salvation through works alone. And dear friend, that's what's been taught in most of the churches you see down these roads. And there's only two ways. The people say salvation by works. I and mean, if you have to work for it, what happens if you don't work? And you can lose it. But salvation by faith is not based on me, it's based on the object of our faith which is God. And we can never lose it. We can never lose it. So they hated him for who he was and what he taught and they hated the fact that he cleansed out the temple twice which hurt their pocketbook, their finances. They hated Jesus Christ. So they themselves would not kill him because of their rules and laws, and even as wicked and cruel as they were, they knew if they crucified him, if they tried to put him to death on their own, they would have a riot, that have trouble, and so they couldn't do that, so they decided to bring him to the Romans so he could be crucified. And they did so at 5 a.m. that morning. We pick it up, the story, in actually John chapter 18 and verse 28. Remember, as I mentioned before, it's always good when we're reading these, these events to look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So in John chapter 18 verse 28, we read, Then they led they Jesus from Caiaphas unto the hall of judgment. And it was early. And they themselves went not into the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out unto them and said, What accusation bring ye against this man? They answered and said unto him, If he were not a malefactor, we would not have delivered him unto thee. Then Pilate said unto them, Take ye him, and judge him according to your law. The Jews therefore said unto him, It is not lawful for us to put any man to death that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled which he spake, signifying what death he should die. Well, just like the sham trial that we had with the Jews, there will be another trial of three phases with the Gentiles. This morning we're going to see the three phases of Jesus' Gentile trial. What are the three phases of Jesus' Gentile trial? First of all, Jesus before Pilate who was Pilate well Pontius Pilate was a Roman governor prefect of Judah he'd been appointed by Emperor Tiberius in AD 26 he was responsible for the command of the Roman military collecting collecting taxes overseeing certain legal matters and he was part of a group called the Roman Knights these magistrates who owned a moderate minimum of property were used to govern relatively small areas that required careful supervision he was awful and brutal impulsive he also exhibited at times weakness and indecision and at this time he was in a bit of a trouble because of the bad decisions he'd made in his in his governance of the land So he's very careful what he did with these Jews because he knew if he caused another riot, he was likely to be replaced. We see the confrontation about Jesus' sovereignty, letter A, verse 2, chapter 15, Mark, Pilate asked him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answered him, Thou sayest. (laughs) What a short answer Jesus gave. We pick up the dialogue again, the book of John. In John chapter 18, verse 33, if you want to look there again, we see more of the dialogue between Pilate and Jesus. Verse 33, Then Pilate entered to the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answering him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it uh, it thee of me? Pilate answered, I am I a Jew? Thine own nation chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should be not delivered unto the Jews, but now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am king. To this end I was born. For this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. So, we see the confrontation about his sovereignty, but secondly, the confrontation about his silence. Why was Christ so silent? He says, he asked Jesus answers thou, nothing, Behold, how many things they witness against thee. These Jews bring accusation after accusation against you, Jesus, that you blaspheme. What do you say? We see the charges for the silence. The chief priests accused him of many things, of course, mainly predominantly blasphemy but the cause for his silence because he would not dignify the questions that were asked him you know sometimes when people say something to you sometimes the best thing is not to answer them because sometimes it does not dignify an answer because it's so ludicrous it's so crazy it's so absurd what is being said with these, thirdly, the contemplation of the silence. Jesus yet answering nothing, so that Pilate marvelled. <laughs> Pilate couldn't believe the fact <laughs> that, that Jesus was quiet, because I'm sure many people had come to Pilate, being accused of some type of crime. And what does prisoners usually do? Well, Brother Eric knows. I didn't do it. It wasn't me. It was somebody else please please i beg of you see jesus didn't have to say anything because he was innocent he was innocent they found no fault in him you know what throughout the scriptures we are reminded and instructed to be careful how we reply Bible says in the book of Proverbs he that keepeth his mouth and tongue keepeth his soul from troubles oh how many times in life when someone said something to us or questioned to us how much better would have been for us simply for us to say nothing this last yesterday actually I went pick up my my wife and I I went pick up my daughter from uh, St. Augustine, thank God we didn't have to go to South Carolina, but we would have for my daughter, pick her up for spring break, she's home from Bob Jones. But thankfully we wanted to go to St. Augustine, of course, as she usually is, she was hungry. Her dad was even more hungry. So we went to a restaurant, we stopped at a restaurant, went inside and noticed at the very beginning it was kind of chilly inside. I don't know about you, but I just don't like to eat when I'm cold. I even went back outside, got my jacket, came back in, a little bit more comfortable thank God we had hot rolls right in front of us with butter And that was beautiful we got to eat and everything was going well all of a sudden the manager came out and went to the people right behind us and the first thing he said was are you trying to get me fired well at that moment I didn't know if we should run or what I guess the people behind us was complaining about the temperature of the restaurant and began to say some unkind things to the server to the place where the manager came out and had a few choice words with the people behind us ultimately kicked him out of the restaurant. We had dinner and a show. <laughs> and it was free. The manager came out and said, we are so, this is not our usual here at this restaurant. This don't happen all the time. And we will pay for your meal because of all the commotion that happened to you. You see, folks, it does good sometimes not to say something. Sometimes it's best to be quiet, because if you react wrongly, you could cause yourself a whole lot of trouble in life. Jesus didn't have to respond. (laughs) He was in perfect control of the situation he was in. We see Jesus before Pilate, but secondly, Jesus before Herod. The Bible says in Luke chapter 23, verse 8, we see the curiosity of Herod. And when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad, for he was desirous to see him of a long season, because he heard many things of him, and he hoped to have seen some miracle done by him. Of course, we learn in Luke chapter 23, verse 5, that Pilate had asked where this man was a Galilean. Why did he ask that? Because he didn't want to have to deal with Jesus, who was called the King of the Jews. He wanted somebody else to judge him. And so, when he heard that Jesus was a Galilean, he said, "Well, that's Herod's territory. Let's take him to take him to to Herod." This was Herod Antipas, the son of of Herod the Great. Herod Antipas was a regional monarch, a ruler who ruled over Galilee of the Perea area under the jurisdiction of Rome. Now, you remember Herod Antipas from history. Actually, we talked about him when we were studying Mark chapter 6, verses 14 through 29. He had legally divorced his wife and decided to take his brother's wife as his wife. And John the Baptist said he should not do it. Because he said that John the Baptist was put into prison and ultimately John the Baptist lost his head. Well, Herod Antipas thought that maybe this person who was called Jesus, because of all the miraculous works that he'd done, that possibly this was John the Baptist come back from the dead. So he wanted to question him and talk to him about actually what was happening. So we see the curiosity of Herod, of but the silence of Christ. Verse 23, Chapter 23, verse 9 of the book of Luke. The word of God tells us, and he questioned him with many words, but he answered him nothing. Now with Pilate, he said a few words, but with Herod, he did not say anything back. Why is that? Well, several reasons. One, because possibly what he had done to John the Baptist, his cousin. And secondly, because he knew the state of Herod's spiritual condition. Herod was a wicked man. He was an immoral man. He was a corrupt man. And he didn't want to say anything to him. When you're telling somebody the very truth, especially the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's important who you say it to and when you say it to them. You go door to door, you tell someone about Jesus, you will notice that sometimes they're ready and receptive to hear the word. That's a beautiful thing. But sometime within a few moments, you know they're not ready to say anything about the gospel. And we go on door to door, or we go out witnessing a personal uh, passing out of tracts at the University of Florida. There's a door of opportunities, a door of of when the window is open to share the truths of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But sometimes that door was shut. I believe at this time the door was shut for Herod Antipas. And Jesus would not dignify an answer or say a very, anything to him because of his wickedness and what he had done. And the gospel was not going to be presented to this man. The Bible says in Matthew chapter six, 7 and verse 6, Give not that, give not that which is holy unto the dogs. Neither cast ye you your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. Sometimes it's best not to tell the truth. A wise man says, don't always speak the truth. Don't always speak the truth. But when you do speak, speak only the truth. Think of those words, dear friend. There's a time and place to tell the truth. There's a time when we need to be quiet because the truth needs not to be told. Jesus went before Pilate Jesus went before Herod but thirdly in this trial Jesus befores Pilate again in verses 6 through 12 we see the custom of a court hoping for a way out of the situation Pilate provided an opportunity hopefully to appease the crowd by releasing a prisoner to go free as was the custom of passover every passover pilate had the opportunity to let a prisoner go free and he was hoping that the crowd would be appeased if he released jesus unto them but they were not appeased so Pilate thought the crowd would select jesus therefore solving this dilemma but Unfortunately, they chose Barabbas. Ironically, Barabbas' means, name means son of the father. Here is a law-breaking son of a human father being offered to the people in the place of the sinless son of the divine father. As Pilate is presenting this option Christ to Barabbas he hears this message from his wife and Matthew chapter 27 verse 19 we read when he was set down on the judgment seat his wife sent unto him saying how thou nothing to do with this just man for I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him and while pondering Pilate is thinking on these things we read in the scriptures in Mark chapter 15, verse 11, but the chief priests moved the people that they should rather release Barabbas unto them. They had a cause. They had a reason. They did not want Jesus. They wanted Barabbas. In this old world, even today, they do not want Jesus primarily. They do not want Jesus. <laughs> you go into a restaurant singing Amazing Grace, they will not look at you in the right way. <laughs> You walk into you walk into a place carrying your King James Bible, they won't look at you the right way. When you go in there with a smile on your face and a, a song that honors God, they won't look at you, they won't look at you quite right. They'll think of something that's strange. And dear friend, you are strange in this world. And we are strange. We're pilgrims and strangers here. This world is not our own. We're just a passing through. Our our home is in the heavens, isn't it? Praise God. We have a better place. This world is corrupt and sinful. And dear friend, we're just going through this place just for a time. Oh, oh, the chief priests, they thought, they thought, oh, Pilate is going to try to ruin this whole thing by releasing Barabbas. But they roused up the crowd and have them rather release Barabbas unto them. So we see their corruption, but secondly, the custom of the court, but secondly, the cry of the crowd. What, is this? what do we say? They said unto them. They didn't say a, a quiet word. They didn't say a calm word. They said, crucify him. Crucify him. The same Jesus who they praised just a few days earlier as he came into Jerusalem on Monday. They hailed him. And they waved palm branches at him and they called him the Messiah. The same crowd, the same crowd now says crucify him. That's how crazy the crowd is. That's how strange the mob is. The same group that says hail Jesus, king of the Jews, will now say crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 27, verse 25, and all the people said, His blood shall be on us and our children. And, dear friend, it has. It has. What did, what did Pilate react by doing? In Matthew chapter 27, verse 24, Pilate took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to that yourselves. He would have. Jesus first scourged, scourge a scourging, as I studied it, and you've heard it before, was to be whipped with a device called the flagellum, consisting of a wooden handle with long leather thongs attached. The thongs were embedded with sharp pieces of bone and metal, were designed to rip the flesh from the bone. Jesus will be, he'd be, scourged, that he would make his way with a robe on him and a crown of thorns up him up the Via Della Rosa when I was in Israel and I got to walk up that Via Della Rosa the way of the cross I could imagine to myself and that moment there would be crowd on both sides yelling at him spitting at him cursing him but in this day This day, there's not a crowd of people. There's shops trying to get people money, get trying to get people people's money. Corruption in that day, and even corruption in this day. As he went to that place where he would be crucified, an outsider in this situation would say, "Well, it's Judas's fault. He sold him for thirty pieces of silver." Some would say it was Peter. He was the he was the head of the disciples, or maybe the disciples themselves. They were the ones who did this to Jesus. Some would blame the high priests. Some would say, well, you know, it's the Jews themselves. They're the one who said it. Or maybe some would say it's Pontius Pilate. Who was at fault? Why did Jesus actually have to go to the cross for us? Was he really a criminal? Remember I told you the beginning of the message this morning about Walter McMillan? being in Alabama and he was sentenced to die because the murder of a young lady five years later after McMillan sentenced to die some lawyers actually some lawyers from Harvard who heard about his case was very interested in what was going on and they did some digging and started talking to the police officers and the judges and they began to think something was corrupt The prosecutors withheld some evidence about the case you see at the case the time of the crime it was said that Walter McMillan had a lowered truck and he was there but they came to find out that he had not had the truck lowered to after the murder and two people who had said they witnessed Walter McMillan's lower truck at the scene of the crime came in and said they had lied. An innocent man spent five years in prison and was sentenced to die by a corrupt judge. We all would say, Corruption how horrible it would be but dear friend jesus was innocent too and yet it was the very will of the father that jesus be betrayed it was the will of the father that jesus be scourged it was the will of the father that jesus be crucified why as the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 10: Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath he put to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. It was God's will that his son, Jesus Christ, die for our sins. So we could have. Everlasting life. Paul the Apostle put it this way in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he hath made him, who's that? Jesus Christ, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. This was completely God's will. An innocent man who had to be innocent. The Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. He was completely innocent, but He was willing to die so that each one of us could have everlasting life. I wonder the day, as we see this mock trial done by the Jews, as He was presented before Pilate and then Herod, then Pilate again, and we see the corruption we see no no fault in jesus we see the rage of the crowd crying crucify him crucify him do you acknowledge though this morning your need for jesus christ if he was willing to go to the cross and shed his blood and be buried and rise again so that we could have everlasting life oh dear friend don't you recognize how much we need him this morning he did that so much did that he did that for us what compelled him? Duty? No. Love. 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 Jesus went to the cross. Jesus treated like a criminal because he loved us so much. That's why we love that verse so much. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Have you received that love, dear friend? Have you recognized that need of love in your life? There's no love like the love of God. Oh, Father may love you, and Mother may love you, and Friend may love you, but there's nothing compared to the love of God. He's with you, and in you, and will help you, and guide you, and lead you through His Spirit. And He's given you a perfect book called the Word of God that will help you every day of of life. Oh, how wonderful it is to be a Christian. But it's only because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for you and for me. Dear friend, do you know him today? And do, and if you know him, may I ask a second question? Are you living for him? Oh, dear friend, knowing what Jesus Christ went through for me, the innocent, lovely Lord Jesus, that behooves me, that encourages me. If he went, that, went through that for me, how can I not live for him? How can I serve him more? How can I not love him more? How can I care for the things that he cares for and despise the things that he hates? Oh, do you know him this morning? I hope you know him. If you don't know him, you've come to the right place. But dear, if you do know him and you say, you know, preacher, I know him, but I've sure not been living for him. You know what happens in life? Like a lot of relationships, we fall out of love, don't we? Oh, maybe at one time you used to love him, used to appreciate him, used to read his book, used to tell people about him. But, man, it's been a long time since you picked up this book. It's been a long time since you told somebody about Jesus. It's been a long time since you really had a fervency towards Jesus Christ. It's been a long time. You know what, dear friend? If that's your situation today, you've come to the right place. Because everyone in this room has failed God. Amen? We've all failed him. But you know what, dear friend? You're only one decision being right with God. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to cleanse us from all sins and, and forgive us from all unrighteousness. He will. Just one decision. Just one decision. You can be totally right with God today. We all stray. We all make bad decisions. We all complain about the, the, the temperature being too cold in the restaurant and say things we shouldn't say. We complain to God that it's 49 outside when it should be 75 outside. Complain the food is not right or something's not right or something's always we just we we are like sheep. We go astray, don't we? But you know what? Jesus and his mercy and love is willing to forgive us. We confess our faults one to another and pray for one another. We shall be healed. Where are you at this morning? Are you saved? You say, preacher, I'm saved. But are you thankful and grateful and living for Jesus Christ the way that you know you should be today? Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. And Lord, realizing what he has done for us, help us to be grateful. Help us to live for you. Help us to be willing to die for you. Paul said, I die daily. We dodge our own dreams and plans and goals, Lord, and say, Your will be done. Not my will, but Thy will be done. But we pray the same words that the, Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. Not my will, but Thy will be done. With head bowed, eyes closed, could you say, Preacher, I know I'm saved today. There's been a time in my life where I recognized the fact that I was a sinner. I was on my way to hell, but I placed my faith in Jesus Christ alone. I know that I've done that. If you've done that today, would you say, preacher, by my raised hand? I'm just telling folks I've been saved. I know I've been saved. I've been saved. I asked Jesus to save me. Thank God for your honesty this morning. There's some that could not raise their hand. If you're a friend, if you're here today and you don't know Christ, would you come? We're going to have an invitation. The piano player is going to play. We're going to ask everybody to stand to our feet. We're not here to embarrass you. We just want to see people saved. Salvation is when you place your faith in Jesus Christ alone, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he has saved us. For by grace are you saved through faith in that not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Dear friend, recognize the fact that you're a sinner, you can't save yourself. The gift of God is through salvation in Jesus Christ alone. It's not what you've done or will do, what Christ has done for you childlike faith you just come down this altar and say Lord Jesus I need to be saved today brother Clayton my wife if you're a lady would love to take a Bible and from the Word of God show you how you can be saved maybe you're struggling in your Christian life this morning maybe maybe you're going through a difficulty struggling with loving him the way you should love him your your choices this past past week has proven your love for yourself more than your love for God We are the sum of our choices.